We said it was going to happen. Max Verstappen and Sir Lewis Hamilton were always going to controversially crash at some point this season. And it's finally happened at the British Grand Prix today. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 122, where I'll be reviewing the 2021 British Grand Prix. I am your host, George Howison, and joining me today is broadcast journalist Louis Edwards. Hello. Phil Matthews from the Grip Strip podcast. Hola. And Tom Downey from the EF1 podcast. Good afternoon. Right, lads. So I think we should start today with uh, with the crash that brought out the red flags on the, on the first lap of the race. Uh, Max Verstappen started from pole position after winning the sprint race yesterday, but Lewis Hamilton, he got a great start off the line. He And both of them were going side by side throughout the first lap until they got to Cops Corner, Louis, where they made contact. Hamilton went down the inside. Hamilton ended up getting a 10-second penalty from that. Do you think that Hamilton should have got a penalty for that? And if so... Was that penalty right? Should he have got a harsher one like Christian Horner was asking for? Well, I, I think I should first say before, you know, because this, this incident is is polarised, you know, F1 fans, it is really, is it a racing incident? Was it Max's fault? Was it Lewis's fault? Personally, I do think it was a racing incident. You know, it, it was them two merging together at a very high speed corner. You know, despite the fact that Max did leave, Lewis room Lewis was understeering Max should have probably thought about that before turning in as well because he whether or not he knew Lewis was there he knew that Lewis was going to be probably on the inside of him not the outside given the fact that he literally just charged him so in terms of a penalty I think I think it's hard to argue against the penalty in the fact that George Russell got a penalty for his well now what seems like a tiny tap against Carlos Sainz in the in the sprint race yesterday you know, Carlos Sainz didn't end up going into the wall at 51G impact. You know, it's, it was a big crash. But I think 10 seconds was enough. I think people were demanding stop-go penalties. I think that would have been a bit of a step too far. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it was 10 seconds. Lewis clearly had the pace to win the race today. And it really didn't impede him, you know, from what we saw later on in the race. It didn't really impede him too much. Yeah, Hamilton, despite his penalty, put on an amazing late charge. It seemed it seemed as though Charles Leclerc, of all drivers, yes, Charles Leclerc was leading the race for the majority of it, the vast majority. It seemed as though it'd be enough to keep Hamilton down to keep him in second place or lower, but it wasn't. Hamilton still charged through to win his eighth British Grand Prix, a record at the track, a joint record in Formula One, shared by Michael Schumacher at the French Grand Prix, I believe, is the stat for that. But, Phil, I mean, we were talking about the crash before before the show started. It seemed to me personally as though the stewards kind of went halfway house. They didn't go full in with a stop go, but they didn't let him off either. They kind of went halfway house, sat on the fence. They punished him, but not so much that it would ruin his race. I mean, how do, how do you see the crash? I mean, Verstappen tried to close Hamilton off on the inside, but Lewis just went down there anyway. And in the end, Verstappen, despite leaving room for them both, they both came to blows, but it's such a difficult corner to take too wide. Yeah, and you also have to consider, George, the fact that they're on cold, colder tires, full fuel load. You're going to have understeer there at COPS. The, but to be fair, Lewis had already made shown two commitments or three commitments at the start of this race into the first corner or in the first bend after Hamilton, straight after the start. Then he made the lunge and he went and changed his angle so he could go down 
the the uh, what do you call Wellington Strait. He tried to make a move there that was blocked off, and I mean, in the end, they gave each other room there. Then he went and gave himself another run out of out of Luffield, and he had a run again. And unlike Saturday when he made a run and he went to the outside and basically washed himself out, and that was the end of the race. Max gave him the gave him room on the inside, and he was he was pretty far along there. Was he fully alongside? No, but he was fully part pretty far along there. Max and Lewis both had their ideas, and and basically they both decided that the other one was going to back off. Neither of them did. So in the end. Lewis ended up to try to make the corner kind of went and had understeer and, and went and got into Max's because of the angle who got in the Max's right rear corner in the grand scheme of things. It's to me, it was, it was a, a harsh, it was a, a brutal incident based on where it took place, but it was a racing incident. I think if Max were stopping to me with all the pace advantage he's had all year, on Lewis and Mercedes, he could have made, he could have given that away and they could have won that race on strategy. They could have won that race on pace. Personally, I I believe I won or both of those things were in play. He didn't want to give in. Lewis was doing what he had to do because he knew that the, that was his only chance. If he got right behind Max, Max was going to do what he's been doing for the last, the whole entire season, which is pulling gaps and and he would have had he would have had the he would have been able to control the race. In the end, it was a racing incident to me, personal bias aside. But the fact of the matter is, both guys there was avoided. There was both of them had avoidability in there. If Max really wanted to avoid that, he could have. Lewis bat, tried to back off, and you look at the move that he had to make to win the race. He went exactly in the same place. Charles Leclerc actually left the room, but in, in turn, he basically washed himself out the way that Lewis did on Saturday. And uh, so we'll, I guess, have more to talk about when we get into the Hungarian Grand Prix qualifying and stuff after all the media is talked about in two weeks' time. But for today, Lewis uh, persevered, came through, probably get penalty points on his license, but he will have, he ties, you know, Schumacher and others with eight wins at a at a Grand Prix and he's one win away from 100 and he's going to one of his best circuits ever which he's won at in whether in a great car good car bad car at Hungary and if he can qualify somehow or another put a lap together like he did on Friday at at Hungary in a couple weeks time he has a great chance to get number 100 there. Yeah, all very good points there, Phil. And I do agree with you. I do think if I had to say something, it's a racing incident. I mean, Formula One and the stewards talk about wanting to let the drivers race or let them race hard but fair. Yes, there was contact, but you can't say for sure. It's like it's like VAR in, in, in football, for example. You know, they're using it for things that aren't clear cut. You know, that was not clear cut. You can't say for sure whose fault it was. You could have said that Hamilton should have backed out. Some people might say that Verstappen should have backed out. It's... You know, it's a it's an interesting one, but I can see why they gave a penalty, but I don't agree with it necessarily either. I think it is harsh. But the fact of the matter is, is that Hamilton is now just eight points behind Max Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship. Tom, this is a humongous boost to Hamilton's title chances. Some people were writing him off. Some people were saying that Verstappen's got the fastest car. He's won 
three of the, three of the, sorry four of the last five races he should have won the last five in a row really but his run's been stopped here and now Hamilton heads to Hungary where like Phil said it's one of his best tracks historically yeah I I mean as soon as we saw Verstappen go off I'd imagine Hamilton's first reaction was obviously he hopes the driver is okay but he Hamilton is still fundamentally a racing driver and he'll be thinking how do we maximize this opportunity and what I said to um, what I said to one of my friends I was watching the race earlier was, as soon as Bottas let Hamilton go past, you knew Hamilton was going to be chasing down Leclerc, and he just reeled him in, reeled him in, reeled him in, and he has absolutely maximised the, the opportunity he's got. Also, it's not just about the the drivers' championship. You know, Bottas bringing home a, a good P three for the team. I. He gave Mercedes 40 points this weekend and obviously with Perez having a late pit stop. Not entirely sure what for because I know he had a potential collision with Raikkonen so it could have been puncture damage. They've been summoned to the stewards so we don't know about that yet. It's actually put Mercedes, I believe, level on points with Red Bull. It certainly gave them a haul of 40 points this weekend when Red Bull haven't got any points. So in both the Drivers' and the Constructors' Championship, it's been a big weekend for Mercedes and a pretty torrid time for Red Bull. And bearing in mind, this is obviously Hamilton with a 10-second time penalty. You know, he, he overtook, um, I believe it was Norris, and then obviously he overtook Bottas and then um, and then Leclerc. And this, um, it's funny because if Norris wouldn't have had such a slow pit stop, he, he uh, Norris would have been a bit further up the field. Hamilton might have had more trouble chasing him and passing him. We could have been looking at a different race result. But we weren't, and what we're looking at here is Hamilton. Do, sorry, Hamilton doing what Ham- Hamilton does best and has done so well throughout the the turbo hybrid era, just absolutely dominating, picking up results when he needs it most. Also, sorry, just to add to what Philip was saying, I've just loaded up the FIA documents for Hamilton's uh, collision with Verstappen. Hamilton has been awarded two penalty points by the. Uh, by the stewards, uh, sorry, by the FIA. So he now has four penalty points on his license. Yeah, which is nowhere near a race ban. Like, I think some people are afraid that Norris might get a race ban. I think he's a few points away. But he, Norris was, but he's had two points come off this weekend, so he's down to eight. Good. Good. No, I don't, I don't want to see drivers banned, banned for races unless they do something like a Grosjean Belgium 2012 or something like that. I think it's, I think it's a pretty, pretty dumb rule, to be honest with you, to... I mean, it's not not coming to effect yet, but it will happen eventually, and it might happen to someone who doesn't really deserve it. But yeah, like no, but like you say, Tom. I mean, you know, Hamilton. He's a great champion. He is one of the one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest. You know, ninety nine career wins, eight wins at Silverstone, seven in the last eight years. He's won every race in Turbo Hybrid era, apart from two at Silverstone, and then the other two, I think he finished second. Which is it's just it's just ridiculous. He really does have a home advantage around Silverstone, and it's and it's and it was wonderful as well to see 150,000 fans. I think there was oh, about 350,000 fans over the entire weekend, which was helped by the F1 sprint as well and the qualifying, the different format. It's just it's just fantastic to see after such a long time without fans at all or reduced capacity, just to see the place packed out. I absolutely loved it. I'm sure a lot of people loved it watch, as well watching. But you know, we've we've got to mention as well. Well, Louis, we've got to mention Charles Leclerc. 
Second place in the end. He would not have expected that coming into this weekend. He is very good round Silverstone. He got a podium in a fourth place last year, I believe, in the two Silverstone rounds and an awful Ferrari. But he'd led the majority of this race and he didn't look into it at all. He he took his advantage when Verstappen and Hamilton crashed and he looked comfortable for the majority of the race. It was just the very end that let him down. Yeah, I mean, he was he was so comfortable in the race. Uh, then he had those engine issues that we're all panicking about. You know, he kept getting these the cutting on his engine, yet he managed to still hold off Hamilton. And then from there, he you know continued to to keep pushing. He had so he had such a solid pace, and I think at the end it was just just down to the strategy, which um which favoured Mercedes in the end. But you can't take anything away from Leclerc's performance today. He drove absolutely sensational. You know. Who would have thought that a Ferrari would have led all but what three laps of this race? It's um, it was a real big achievement, and second place may seem bitter to him um, after being so close, but uh, he honestly should be uh, really proud of his performance. And also, it does wonders for Ferraris in terms of the constructors' championship, especially against uh, McLaren. Yeah, a decent haul of points today for Ferrari. Second and sixth for them with Carlos Sainz finishing in sixth. 26 points for them. McLaren, 22. So they gained four points. You know, it's not it's not going to close the gap completely, but it will do somewhat. So it's very, very encouraging for them. And yeah, for Charles Leclerc to legitimately lead a race like that, it really does show how talented the guy is. He, he is something else. He's a real star for the future. And when Ferrari have a top car again, He's going to be winning races regularly, I'm sure. But yeah, we'll get into the guy who finished third, Phil. And Valtteri Bottas finished third. He had, he looked into third in a way because Lando Norris had his bad pit stop. But still, honestly, we, we bashed the guy on a regular basis, but he did a decent job today, I'd say. Yeah, he did what he had to do uh, when it came to covering off uh, the Lando pit stop and the everybody behind. He didn't get a good start. The starts for Mercedes have been uh, basically got awful for most of the year. And that's for both drivers, but for Valtteri it's worse because he's usually not up front. He's on the second row and then he's getting overtaken by uh, whether it's a Ferrari or a McLaren or whoever, or Sergio Perez, whatever. But in this case, he was able to maximize what he had uh, covered off the McLaren, did the team deal to get out of the way um, so Lewis could do what he had to do. And for more or less, they got about as much as they could have gotten out of the deal, you know, limiting the cutting the constructors deficit down to four points. You know, when it comes to with Checo, Tom was talking about that. I mean, it was a double thing. I think they didn't want to get the penalty for what he did to Kimi Raikkonen, and then they wanted to take away the the fastest lap from Lewis. So they did. They took care of two things at once. They knew they weren't going to score points there, so then they went and put a soft set of soft tires on, penalized, theoretically penalized themselves, but he took the fastest lap away to limit the gain that Lewis would have in the point standings instead of it being a seven-point deficit, it's an eight-point deficit. So, I mean, for for Valtteri, he's now only five points behind Lando Norris in the World Championship for third, considering where he was earlier this year, where he was completely nowhere. I think he was outside of the top five or on fifth in points. Credit to him. See what he can do at Hungary. 
I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, we kind of know what's going to happen there. But I think he does have options, whether it's in Formula One or elsewhere anyway. So we'll see what Valtteri does as we go through the rest of the season and what Mercedes is going to do to respond to the general pace and every advantage that, that Red Bull seems to have at the moment. Yeah, a good day for Valtteri Bottas, in, in fairness to him, and a great day for Mercedes as well in the Constructors' Championship. Red Bull picking up nothing, and Mercedes picking up 40 points. So like Phil said, it's just four points now between Red Bull and Mercedes. Red Bull still having the advantage, but it's a much more slender one than it was before this race. Bottas as well moves up to fourth place in the Drivers' Championship, but he is still behind Lando Norris, who is up to third, Tom. Again, solid points. Great day. Unlucky not to get a podium, really. If you had a better pit stop, he would have at least been challenging Bottas for third or at least been able to hold him off for at least, you know, at least try for it. But as it is still a great day for McLaren. Yeah, uh, great day great day for Norris, great day for Danny Rick, great day for McLaren, especially given how well Ferrari did this weekend. You know, McLaren certainly, certainly did themselves proud. At their home race with you know with their with their star young driver, I don't really know know what to add to that. I mean Norris again, he didn't have the best sort of qualifying and then the sprint qualifying race, whatever you want to call it, um, session on on Saturday. I know, you know he might have been a little bit sort of disheartened by his result from that, but he, but he did really really well today. Capitalised on the opportunities, got got unlucky in the pit stop, but we saw numerous drivers having issues with pit stops. And today, I do wonder if that was perhaps down to the sort of unnaturally warm British summer that we seem to be having this year, because it's even hotter than it was back in 2018. I saw at one point track temperature was over 50 degrees C, which is just pretty warm. And um, yeah, Lando, again, just absolutely exciting, getting everything out of McLaren, especially with what happened to him at Wembley last Sunday. I mean, I'd like to think it goes without saying that obviously we hope Lando is okay after that and, and that he is, his head is held up high and he's delivered on track this weekend when he's needed it most, as has Danny Rick. You know, Danny Rick held off Charles Leclerc for fifth um, and brought him a good good haul of points for, for, for the team. Great day for McLaren. And yeah, I echo what you said as well, Tom. Uh, obviously, for, um, Lando Norris had his watch stolen at Wembley after the Euro 2020 final. I think it was worth 40 grand as well. So it was a very expensive one. So yeah, I hope he's all right. And honestly, after that, I, I didn't think he'd have a great weekend. I thought he'd struggle because that's a big thing to get over mentally. You know, there's, <laughs> you, you get people on the internet commenting and saying, oh, it's nothing to him. 40 grand watch, he oh, can afford that's... 20 of them every day. It's, no, it's not like that, though. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and that's not the point. People tend to forget that Lando Norris is still a very, very young man. Yeah. He's, only, he's only 21 years old. And and just imagine if if you're 21, a fairly well known public figure. I mean, you know, ever since he's made it into F1, and especially since he's come to the front at McLaren this year, mm. he's a lot more sort of like he's becoming a lot more of a household name. So people will know who he is, and it's just unfortunate that people did decide to target him. So McLaren did say that he that he wasn't physically hurt, but. It's not the physical pain, it's the sort of mental anguish that that's going to cause. And for, and for him to be so resilient and still come to this weekend, perform as well as he, as, as he, as he has done, to almost get a podium, you know, it was arguably not taken away, but McLaren didn't help him with that one. But, you know, he, but, you know bygones be bygones. He still did a very, very good weekend this weekend. And he, sh he should be mighty proud of what he's doing. 
Absolutely, yeah. He is, like I said earlier on, he is still the only driver to score in every race. Not even Hamilton and Verstappen have managed that. He is Mr. Consistency right now in the races. It's brilliant to see. Before we get into the fifth place, man, I will say as well, this is a good opportunity to say that if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out at the start of the show. Uh, yeah, we've had some great reviews on there and it's really been going up in the rankings. So yeah, keep that going. Whoever you are, whatever you say, as long as they're not too rude, I will give you a shout out no matter what. So <laughs> so there we go. So yeah, fifth place, like we mentioned before, Tom, uh, sorry, Louis, is Daniel Ricciardo. A great weekend for him. You know, he had a, he had a solid sprint race. And this is the kind of weekend that he needed, solid points. And he held off Carlos signs as well, despite the Spaniard being on much fresher tyres. Yeah, he, he had definitely the unenviable race today, you know, being hounded by a Ferrari for, for God knows how many laps, just always within a second. But no, he, he did a marvellous job today, uh, did Daniel Ricciardo, um, to get fifth place. And, you know, people have been, you know, constantly never-ending going on about, you know, his struggles at McLaren and how he's just not, you know, quite there yet. And I think that's still the case. I think he's still... Still, clearly not on the level of Lando Norris in that uh, in that McLaren just yet, but uh, absolutely mega race, and it was really important, especially in the constructors' battle, to keep Carlos Sainz behind today. And no matter what um, Sainz threw at him, you know, Ricardo was able to uh, to repel, and you know, fair play to him, absolute mega job today. Yeah, great by the Honey Badger, a, a weekend that he really needed. Around a track where he made his debut in F1 10 years ago, it, it's come full circle for him and hopefully he keeps it up in Hungary. Another circuit where he's done very well. I think he's won there in the past too. So yeah, we move on to the men, um, one of the men we just mentioned there, Carlos Sainz, Phil. I mean, again, you know, ever since he was had that incident with George Russell, he, he dropped the back of the pack. And since then, it's just been an amazing recovery drive over two days. And he can count himself unlucky in a way not to be higher. If it wasn't for Ricardo's amazing defensive skills, he would have got at least fifth today. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's kind of what Carlos Sainz does. It's, it's not just what he was doing. I think these last few years when he was at McLaren, he took a step forward as, as a driver and in his racecraft and his ability to just kind of get the most out of the car and give you the best finish possible. And he has came into Ferrari and it's not an enviable task to come into Ferrari, especially when Leclerc is generally considered the de facto number one driver. And he has assimilated himself so well. And that car is not the by any means a the best car at best. It's probably the fourth best car on the grid and he's maximizing these finishes. Yeah. He gave Danny Rick a, a battle all day, which is what you want. He didn't have the outright pace, but they made the most of it. And and they're going to continue to build. And I think this is all progress. What, what Charles Leclerc was able to do today, but also what Carlos Sainz has been doing generally all year outside of maybe a couple of Grand Prix or Ferrari was completely out to lunch is is what the Tafosi, all the fans, all the people in Marinello are looking for as we move to the 2022 regulations with two young guys that are very determined to go and bring themselves back and bring this team back to where they have been at many times over the great history of Formula One. 
Yeah, Leclerc and Sainz, like you say, two young drivers that have got bags of potential that are performing out on track. They just need a better car to get wins and, and chance for championships. But you never know, that could come next year if they get the regulation changes right. They'll need a... I, I, I say they need a better engine. They didn't look slow down the straights at all this weekend. So, you know, they've really made massive strides with that car, both the chassis and the uh, and the engine. And we'll move on to the other Spaniard next. He was in seventh place. Fernando Alonso, Tom, I mean, some... Some would say maybe some too strong defensive uh, driving on in the sprint race yesterday, but today, again, he was brilliant. He got absolutely everything he could out of that Alpine. Seventh place, a very solid finish. Yeah, I mean, it's just Alonso doing Alonso things, isn't it? You know, he, again, he had a very, very strong, strong race. He put in some punchy moves at the start, and I think maybe that Renault that Renault power unit in the back doesn't have quite as much grunt as, as he would have liked, which is which is why we saw the likes of Danny Rick and even signs moving past him. As I believe he was up to fifth at the start of the, of the race. He's, he certainly made some early moves, perhaps not quite as much as he did yesterday. But yeah, good weekend for Alonso. Good chance for him to get some points in the bag for, for Alpine. I've been, ever since about, I'd say since, since Austria really, but, France before that, I've been pretty impressed with Alonso. When he initially started this year, I it, he took a long time to get used to um to to get used to the car, get back into the swing of things. And I thought, well, maybe we're not going to see the same Alonso, but he is definitely back to his classic best now. I think, and he's um yeah again he's 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 put put in a very very good very very good race day today, and also in the, in the two quality events, you know, like we said, especially yesterday. A really, really strong weekend for him again. Definitely nibbling towards the top six. Yeah, brilliant to see. Like it's starting the sprint race, it was it was brilliant. Just hung it around the outside in every corner. It was working out for him brilliantly. And that, that's five races in a row that he scored points in a in a car that's in seventh in the constructors championship. That's mightily impressive, especially if you compare him to how his teammate has been getting on. Although Ocan has done better today. We'll get on to him shortly. But yeah, Alonso showing why he's the number one man in that team, why he was right to come back, why he's good enough. You know, he's he's brilliant. He really is quality. Another guy who had a decent day today, I feel, Louis, was Lance Stroll. I mean, he, a bit of an anonymous performance. We didn't really see him that much, but eighth place in the Aston Martin, four points for the team after starting 14th. I don't think that's a bad day, really. Yeah, he was a, he was a kind of a driver that went somewhat under the radar uh, today. You know, we were chatting during the race. It was like, how the hell did Lance Stroll got into the points? And it's like, well, he just, you know, he got a great, re- he got a great restart, you know, off the standard start. Got himself into the point, just managed his own race. Yeah, and I think we can be fairly impressed with um with what he was able to achieve. Of course, he had to do a lot of the heavy lifting in today's um race for Aston Martin, given uh, the antics of his teammate, um, which I'm sure we'll we'll chat about later. But um yeah, I think, you know, Stroll is is a driver who is you know, we expect these rookies, you know, to come in and then just sort of hit the ground running, but you know, Stroll's been sort of slowly but steadily sort of improving his his driving year on year. And, you know, I think a lot of the people, especially, you know, people like me who really didn't rate him for his especially first, you know, two, three years in Formula One, you know, I think he's I think he's really starting to come into his element, come into his own. And, you know, the years that he's had now behind a steering wheel of a Formula One car are starting to come on show I think you know Aston Martin have I think they have been quite disappointing this year they've clearly struggled with the regulations but uh, you know 8th place 4th points you know 
they don't want to be losing out to the likes of Alpine, so they need to keep scoring these points. Yeah, they've been a big battle with uh, Alpine in the Constructors' Championship. It's not a big... It's only four points between them and Alpha Tauri. And Alpine are a little adrift, actually, now. 12 points behind. But, yeah, just keep picking up points every now and again. That's the important thing. And that's what Ocon has done today. Esteban Ocon finished in ninth place. And for a guy that was really, really struggling for one reason or another, ever since he signed that new deal with Alpine, he needed that result today, didn't he, Phil? Yeah, definitely did. He's basically been um, in hibernation ever since he got the extension. And now, uh, whether it was pushed by uh, Lewis, or not Lewis, I mean, Fernando Alonso's recent uh, form and how he's kind of picked himself up and just he's doing what he does, like Tom says. Uh, Ocon had to show up and they had the pace. Of course, they had the tire advantage in a sense during the sprint yesterday, but in turn, he actually put together a good race. He's not exactly known for putting together great races over time and making mistakes. So the fact that he was able to go and get points, mini points there, uh, you know, they get eight, they get eight points today for Alpine, put themselves smack dab into their, into that points battle for fifth inning constructors it's only nine points between them, Alpha Tori Aston and Alpine. So credit to Ocon. They'll go to a, a couple of tighter circuits here, Hungary and then Zanfort. Once they come back from the summer break, you'll have a couple of bigger circuits too. So we'll kind of see where Ocon is at here over the next couple of months. These next four races, I think, will kind of be a, a, a sign of things, whether what where he's at relative to is, of course, um, much more experienced and legendary teammate and what they're going to bring and how far they really want to go in regards to trying to move up within this constructor's standings. Yeah, I really thought that Alpine were going to struggle this weekend. It's a very high-speed circuit, Silverstone, a lot of long straights, but they've done well. And Hungary is a track that really should suit them. And I, I, I mean, it's not time for bold predictions just yet for that, but I think Alonso will do really well at Hungary. He'll, he can pull some incredible results out of awful cars. And that Alpine isn't too bad. So we could see some very strong points for them again in two weeks' time. I mean, we mentioned that Lance Stroll, you know, he kind of just ghosted into the points. But another guy that ghosted into the points was Yuki Tsunoda. Tom, I, I didn't even realise that he finished in the top 10 until after we saw the standings. But 10th place, a point. The only point for Alphatari this weekend, it could be important come the end of the season. Not too bad of a weekend, really, for him. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see Tsunoda in the points. I um especially given he qualified, what about P sixteen, P seventeen? He he was he was right down there. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a bit with you on that, George. I I looked at the results and I was like, oh, Sonoda was P10. He's like, you know, given he's had a bit of a bit of a bad run of luck recently, and especially as Gasly has had so many good good finishes lately, and we know how good a driver Gasly is, which we'll get onto in a minute. It was it was good to see Sonoda in the nicest possible way. It was good to see Sonoda have a weekend under the radar. Because he because he had three or four big incidents in quality this year, you know, you know, it's like Baku um, brought up red flag in France, and he and he had a crash in Imola. I might be missing one there. I don't think so, but possibly. And and obviously we've heard how um, not heated, but how passionate he can get on the team radio as well when he asked politely to to be left alone, should we say? 
So yeah, it, it was very diplomatically put. I like that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we're you know we're we're going out live, so I, I better better be careful. Um, but yeah, Spinois, um he's he's had a good, if I think, solid but not spectacular weekend. But that's exactly what Alpha Terry are going to be looking for. You, you know, make, making big gains on um, on 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 where he started from. Yeah, I, I mean, he was to be honest. If you look at like sort of. P8 downwards, they were largely anonymous this weekend. I didn't notice them. Yeah, there were a few drivers that kind of dropped down towards the end. Perez, Raikkonen and Gasly, our 11th man as well. So there were a few guys that kind of dropped down and they sort of, some would say they looked into points, but they kept their noses clear. They deserved those points. So fair play to him. Uh, but yeah, like I mentioned that Pierre Gasly in 11th flew. He was in, po- in the points for the most of the race, but had to pick with a few laps to go for a puncture. Desperately unlucky for him. Yeah, it is. It is the rotten luck that um, that comes with motorsport, and unfortunately for Gasly, it just it just didn't. You know, luck didn't sort of deal him a good hand today. And you know, I think points would have definitely been a fair reflection of Gasly's performance this weekend. You know, solid, not you know, spectacular in any fashion, but you know, Gasly just seems to get on with it, and he you know keeps scoring those points for for AlphaTauri, which is really keeping them competitive in the constructors' championship. And yeah, unfortunately, he wasn't able to sort of bring any points home due to something that wasn't even his own fault. But um, as we were just talking about, Yuki getting that point, I think, at least means that Alvatari came out of this weekend with something because I think they definitely deserve something with Gasly. But um, if he wasn't able to finish in the points, and I think it's a good job that um, that Yuki was able to sort of pick up the mantle and you know and get that tenth place. But um, yeah, I think. Overall, it wasn't the most spectacular weekend for AlphaTauri. I think, you know, in terms of where they have been sort of competitively against the likes of Alpine and Aston Martin, they have had better weekends sort of in the past, especially this season. So, um, yeah, I think this is just one that can be written off and I think they'll definitely come back stronger in Hungary. Yeah, you would expect so. AlphaTauri is still in fifth in the constructors, though. That is a big deal for them. It's weird. They didn't have that great of a car last year, but they ended up in seventh. But they got a much better car this year. And yeah, anyway, so the, the, if, if they end up with fifth at the end of the day, I think they'll be very happy with that. But uh, not the best weekend for them this weekend. They'll have to get the form back for Hungary because it could be a big one for the likes of Alpine. But yeah, speaking of bad luck, we had to get onto him eventually. George Russell. Finished in 12th. He started this race in 12th. He actually got a penalty, though, after the uh, after the sprint race. He finished ninth in that one, dropped down to 12th for his incident with Carlos Sainz. And despite his best efforts, Phil, it's 12th place. But, you know, it's still a good performance by him. He still gets absolutely riffing out of that car, but there's just not that much to get for him, really. Yeah, it's the. It, I don't know if get, having those three positions really would have mattered because they made mention of it. Martin mentioned it on the telecast where George usually struggles on the starts with this car too. So he lost, he usually loses positions. So in turn, he lost two positions. He would have been battling back. I think there was a little bit of a breeze, albeit you you all are dealing with a lot of heat there. And we know that the Williams car is not exactly the greatest when there's wind. So you have that plus the high speed. This is definitely not a circuit that this car is suited to. I think Hungary in two weeks' time is definitely a circuit where a Q3 appearance could happen and he could make points, George. Um, 
getting a 12th place when you consider where his teammate was, which was nowhere all day. Um, he, he backed into a 14th because Raikkonen got spun out. Perez decided to pit. Vettel did, you know, had to park his car. I mean, so Latifi really wasn't in a factor all day either. So uh, it was best case scenario, really, uh, for George Russell. I, there are races coming up. Some of these races on tighter circuits are where um, he'll have a chance because it looks like they have good pace on those type of circuits, and it may give him an opportunity um, if he gets track position to um, finally get that point for Williams before we know, we, we all hope the eventual move to a certain team. So, Yeah, a certain unspecified team that we cannot reveal, but it's obviously Mercedes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Russell doing it for any code. Yeah, Hungary could be a big opportunity for the end of the day. It's hard to pass around there. He's very good at qualifying. There's definitely potential. And let's not forget that he got eighth in actual qualifying on Friday. Eighth in a Williams something else that kid he really has got some unbelievable pace in that car and I hope he can show it in the Mercedes one day he gets a proper chance a proper drive in that car it's it's not far off for him it's got to be next year surely it has to be it's got to be but yeah so we'll kind of skip past Antonio Giovinazzi and Nicholas Latifi Giovinazzi 13th Latifi 14th there wasn't it's not really anything to talk about with them they just kept kept the noses clean, did all they could. Alfa, Alfa Romeo and Williams not really having that much pace this weekend. But we'll get on to the other Alfa Romeo of Kimi Raikkonen, Tom. And he, again, a bit like Alonso, he was doing his best. He was trying to keep cars behind him for, for long. He was he had Sergio Perez coming up behind him, though, towards the end on, on fresher tyres, and they eventually made contact. Yeah, it was a shame for Raikkonen, you know, because he, he, was, he was having a fairly decent weekend given... The relative performance of that car, but then he um he just he just absolutely cooked it somewhere at, at one point. I might was it was it going through cops or am I just thinking that because that's been such a problematic corner this weekend? It's the chicane. Uh, was it as Abby chicane? Vale's no, one. I think it was Vale. The final chicane was it? Vale. That's no, it. It, yes, it, was, it, yeah. it, it was. It was Vale. Thank you. Yeah, but he, yeah, he he just um yeah he, he just he just completely lost it and. and and he, he he did have he was tank slapper at um, possibly maggots and Beckett's as well at, at one point this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean with Kimi, I do wonder how much life is left in in the old dog. You know, because let's let's not forget he is forty now. He's racing against some drivers whose fathers he also raced against. If you look at the likes of <laughs> Verstappen and, and Schumacher, and obviously he raced against Alonso. Back in like 2003, 2004, and stuff, and it's just like he said that Formula One. I mean, I've mentioned this, I think, on the Everything of One podcast in the week. Kimi said that you know, there's that famous quote or that snippet of him from the end of Drive to Survive, possibly season two, where he says, oh, It's just a bit more of a hobby for me. I wonder how much longer Vasseur is going to be able to deal with someone who wants to do this just as a hobby, especially as Alfa Romeo obviously signs an extension with Sauber. And now one of those seats is not tied to Ferrari anymore, which which is quite a big thing for them. So whether Kimi leaves on his own accord or, or if he doesn't have a contract renewal, I'm not sure when his contract's up. I think it is the end of this year. I this don't year. know. Yeah, I don't know how much longer he'll be around. I like Kimi, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't love him perhaps as much as some other, some other people do. You know, he, he, he has a very, very loyal fan base. 
and I'm sorry to any Kimi fans who are listening, but um, but yeah, I wonder how much longer he will be around for. Yeah, I wonder that too. Yeah, he's he's 41 this was 41 at the moment. He's 42 at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he can't do it because he can. He was doing well today until the crash. I don't know whose fault it was. I don't think we saw any replays of it. We just saw it live. And to me, it looks as though Perez had every right to shut the door on Raikkonen. He was off the track at that point and he just got unlucky with it. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, at this point, I think Kimmy's just hurting his legacy a little bit personally. But, you know, I, I don't think Alfa Romeo will keep him on. I, I think they'll probably keep Gio on because they'll want a guy that's a bit experienced now that can improve and is having a better year this year, to be fair. Um, and that second seat will probably be someone like Eilat or Porsche. I think we've talked about this a lot, to be fair, though. But we'll, we'll see what happens. You never know. Things, drivers, the, the silly season in the driving market just surprises. But a guy that surprised me today, though, Louis, was Sergio Perez. And honestly, even though he was starting from the pit lane today, I, I genuinely thought, right, he's on the hard tyres. This is Sergio Perez. He's in a very fast car. Frankly, he's going to be fired up after yesterday. He might get fourth. You never know. But he was miles away from that. He got to the edge of the points, but couldn't get past Gasly. He pitted fairly early, and then he pitted again towards the end, trying to make up ground. And then he had that collision with Raikkonen. So very much a day to forget for the Mexican. Yeah, I don't think his strategy particularly helped him either. They pitted him despite the fact he was starting on the hard tyres. He then did pit. I think he was like the first person to pit, which meant inevitably he was going to be on the two-stop. You know, given the heat, it was really difficult to keep those tyres sort of within a good running temperature without blistering them. And yeah, it, it really wasn't Perez's day. You know, he was actually in the points for a brief moment. You know, after after the collision with Raikkonen and then after Gasly's um, pit stop, he was in the points. Um, but then they decided to box him again. To I, I'm going to assume that Red Bull pitted him to take the fastest lap. I don't think there was really any strategic reason to do that. There's no point, you know, taking your, your driver out of, you know, 10th place to then just take a point off Mercedes, even though if he just stayed in 10th, they would have made that point anyway. I'm, I'm not really too sure. sure probably it's just to get it off of Lewis more than anything rather than for the constructors. But I know you mean it, it does seem a bit extreme. It's like, you know what? I may not win, but I just want you to lose. <laughs> yeah. It, it, <laughs> the, the attitude from Red Bull after the crash has been quite petty. So it does seem like <laughs> a very sort of petty thing to do. But no, it was it was a weekend to forget for, um, for Sergio Perez. You know, it's, it's, it's really uncommon to see Perez just sort of spin out before just during a race on a place where you wouldn't really expect a car to spin out given that it's almost flat out through chapel yeah it was it was a definitely something to forget and uh, you need to move on to hungary where red bull are going to need every single point that they can take absolutely yeah it's gone from red bull walking it in some people's eyes to red bull in crisis mode very very quickly this weekend has really changed everything but some things don't change though and Haas is definitely one of them, Phil. 17th and 18th, a.k.a. last. Mazepin, you know, he made history yesterday. He became the first ever Formula 1 driver to spin in a sprint race by hitting his teammate as well, no less. And somehow he's ended up ahead of Schumacher. But, I mean, try. I've given you the short straw, I'm afraid, again. Try try and make something from them, because I, I, I can't. <laughs> I I I need the mini stats here. I'm going to go and bring up uh, because it's so valuable to go and figure out some certain times. And I don't know if they'll show that. 
because they only show that they're a lap down. That's a problem. I'd like to have like. Does it show that Schumacher was told to to back off to give Mazepin a yeah? A that, that, that's my my thinking. I don't know, like because Mick was ahead of Egghead as he usually is, but then also you add the fact that their cars are just trash, and and I mean it's it's just I don't know what they're doing. I I know that those guys are used to being in the back, so now they know their way to get off the grid and. Maybe they get good exercise from there. Maybe it's farther away from where their pit garage is or something. Mick, I don't know how you stay positive driving that tub of crap, but, you know, he's trying. When it comes to Humpty Dumpty, it really doesn't matter. I mean, he spun yesterday, which I, I think Tiamat Marduk was doing one of his videos for F1 2021, and the first person that spun was Egghead. So it, it kind of fits a narrative. Um, Steiner giving him the spinning top. I, there, there's certain things you just kind of death taxes and egghead spins out or hits his teammate. What I'm waiting for is for Mick to like power bomb him through a table at some point, whether that's during the um, summer break or he throws him off a boat in Monaco randomly. I don't know. You know, like they go and him and Vladdy, it'll be him, Vladdy, and then his daddy, and then Mick Schumacher will just sneak in. It'll be like some sort of secret mission it'll be like a liam neeson movie but when it comes to actual formula one competitiveness there is none and they'll continue to suck the way Stuart haas racing sucks in the united states uh so it, at least there's consistency there well when there's nothing to talk about on track you have to make a have to make you have to make up scenarios like that that is a, that is a movie i'd love to see liam neeson hunting down uh the Mazapins and uh, Vladdy, as uh, Phil calls him. So, yeah, so nothing to really talk about with Haas. They were last. They were miles off. They were at least a minute off the rest of the pack. Maybe even a lap off the rest of the pack by the finish. It was not good. It was not a good race as well for uh, Sebastian Vettel either, Tom. You know, he was mixing up with uh, Fernando Alonso on the second start, but he just lit up the rear tyres going through Love Fields, fell to the back of the pack, and yeah. he was just unable to recover from there. Yeah, poor Seb. He was, um, yeah, he was reminiscing his Ferrari days, and I think you know with, with the with the old Spinella. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was. Uh, I I don't I, I don't know if if he touched the curb as, as he exited the turn or if he was affected by turbulent air like Perez had in sprint whatever it was yesterday. But he just he just absolutely went round on himself. Obviously, you know, ran over the grass and did the damage, and then ended up ha having to retire. I did wonder if the retirement was more to save the power unit and wear and tear and all the rest of it, especially if you consider the cost cap, because he was sitting behind the Latifi ahead of the two house. It says a lot that a, that a driver span and was still ahead of the two house cars, especially when one of them is is, is the master of spinning. But yeah, no, yeah, Paul said, especially when you, when you look at how well Stroll did in um, yeah, in a car that's definitely been affected by the regulations this year. So it was um, tough all week for Seb. You know, he's had a very sort of roller coaster year. You know, if we look at the highs of Baku and then some good results after that, and then you know a poor start to the year, and now, now this. You know, I think he was, I think it, he's not classified, but you know, but he was, you know, pretty much nineteenth as he retired, I believe, on lap. Forty, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't have the results open in front of me, so I can't. Oh, you got it right, mate. Lap forty, spot on. Yeah, I'm a nerd, that's why. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, he's um, yeah, it's just, just, just poor Seb. You know, he just um, 
not not uh, not a good day at the office for him. But you know, he, he went pretty well around um, around Hungary last year in that absolute dog of, of a Ferrari. So well, um, you know, he, he might be on course for a good weekend next, not next weekend, the weekend after. You will see. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think that was one of the few races where uh, Seb actually outperformed Leclerc last year. So it could be a good weekend for him. You never know. You never know. Hopefully for him. Hopefully, yeah. He needs to get back on. Uh, needs to get back on track. So yeah, those are all the drivers we've gone through them all. And time for our driver of the day. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm just going to give it to the guy I think deserves it the most. That it, for me, I've got to go with the popular choice. It's Charles Leclerc. He didn't put a foot wrong today. On another day, he could have won the race. He took every chance that he had. He gave it everything. He was he was quality today. He really was. Uh, and it's still a very strong result for Ferrari as well. Obviously, he would have wanted to win the race, but it wasn't because of a lack of pace from him. It was because of a just unbelievable pace from Sir Lewis Hamilton again around Silverstone that he uh, didn't win. Louis, who's your choice for driver of the day? I uh, to completely agree with you. I think Charles Leclerc is the I think he is the one and only choice for today. Yeah, Lewis drove a great race, but you know, that Ferrari had no right to be leading that race for so long. You know, he did a fantastic job, not only on the start to get ahead of Bottas in the first place, but then on the restart to make sure that Lewis didn't even get a sniff, you know, to to taking the lead on that on that opening lap. You know, he then controlled the race from there, keeping Lewis at a at a good distance. And even despite sort of managing the engine cutouts that kept happening and going through all that sort of panic, you know, he was three laps away from winning the race. And yeah, it's, he did absolutely everything he could. Uh, therefore, he's my driver of the day. Yeah, there were there were worries that we we're going to get a repeat of Bari in 2019, but thankfully it didn't cause him to retire. It didn't really cause him to lose that much pace. Um, but yeah, Charles Leclerc, you're... Two, two out of two so far, Phil. What who are you saying for the best driver this uh, this race? Yeah, I'll go and say three for three. Uh, because the way you know Charles Leclerc, it's been a couple of years since he's won a Grand Prix, and there's been times that he's been up there and he's been able to do great things in regards to what his relative equipment, but what he did today, he was able to take the most, make the most out of his situation and almost go and win a race that he probably thought when he came into this weekend, he may have only been able to finish fourth or fifth in uh, great points for Ferrari. Great job by him and proving once again, why Ferrari believes so much in him and his ability and potential as a future world champion. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've said it many times. There's, there's more than a few shades as you'll be about Leclerc, the, the way that you can just get everything and another 10% out of that Ferrari. It's, he's up there with a very, very best of me in terms of talent on the grid at the moment. Tom, are you going to make it a full house? I'm indeed going to make it a full house. Um, you know, as good as good as Hamilton was to obviously win the race, for Leclerc to hold on that long and to almost have the race win in what is at best, the fourth best car on, on the grid, you, you can't not give it to him you know he, he had a scintillating day and uh, it's a shame he couldn't quite top it off with a P1 but he should be very very pleased with the P2 absolutely yeah great weekend for him really is I mean, we keep saying it but it's true it, when when you have a weekend like this when you have a drive like this you just got to say there's nothing more he could have done absolutely not he did far better I mean he finished 40, I mean, he obviously had a very different race but he finished 46 seconds out of his teammate today 
that's more than two pit stops. That's a ridiculous gap. But yeah, let's get into the plug-in time. Let's plug our outlets where we can, where you can hear or see more from our panelists. Louis, where can people hear or see more from you? You can find me viewfromthecrowd.com. I write various articles about sports that take my interest, not just Formula One, but football, NFL, and various other sports. And then I also write for the amazing sportlightpro.com, uh, doing um, <laughs> some F1 articles as well as um, a monthly column on Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, Louis was frantically writing the uh, the sprint qualifying <laughs> report yesterday. I do not envy you at all doing that It was that awful. One. I can imagine. it's It was over in half an hour and you got to write all that. It's, yeah, very frantic for the viewers, very frantic for the journalists covering it as well. Uh, there we go. Phil, I've mentioned that you're a part of the Grip Strip podcast. What is that and where can people find it? Yeah, George, thanks for that as always. And thanks for having me on. It's uh motorsports and sports related podcast out here in the good old uh, us of a i'm out in new jersey josh a fine my co-host is in florida we go and talk about all different motorsports formula one indycar nascar anything that goes fast basically we talk about on the grip strip podcast we also talk about the nfl um, we sneak in some other sports in there here and there whether it's baseball or hockey or or basketball or we'll talk about Olympic stuff probably because now we're getting into a lull period with all the racing kind of going off due to the Olympics. So we'll have to come up with filler. You can find us. Our host is Podbean, but we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Pandora. We're also on uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. So you can find us there. We post once a week as long as the executive producer gets out of his own way. And we talk about all different things. And um, if if you enjoy um, thoughts on Egghead, I continue to go and pontificate further on Egghead in more detail on the Grip Strip podcast. So if you want to go and listen to that, um, thanks again. Kind of contradicted yourself though, there, Phil. You said that you talk about all things fast, but you talk about Hass as well. Like that doesn't. That well, doesn't it's make racing. Any sense. It's support, it's <laughs> racing. They're involved in racing now. Are what they? they do on the racetrack, <laughs> it is debatable that they are fast or that they are involved in racing. But hey, you know you have to go. If you're dead weight, you just you know it is what it is. If you buy your ride and murder a few people. You know, you just kind of have to go and seemingly you, they gloss over things like that seemingly in motorsports and in all major sports. So it's something that we have to deal with. Yeah, no, no punches pulled on the uh, Grip Strip podcast. It's always a good laugh. I enjoyed going on. I think I've been on twice. It's always a lot of fun being on there. So definitely check those guys out. Tom, I've mentioned that you're part of the EF1 podcast. But again, what is that and where can people find it? Yeah, thanks, George. Uh, Phil, I don't quite know how to follow that, but I'll do my best. <laughs> you can uh, For Everything F1, you can find us at everythingf1.com. Uh, our most sort of prominent uh, area, if you like, you see Everything F1 Paddock on Facebook. Uh, we have around six or 7,000 members at the moment. We also have a Facebook page, which is Join EF1. Then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, which is at Join EF1. Then we also have a Discord server, which is Everything F1. And finally, as you might have gathered, we also have a podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast, which we usually record on a Tuesday and is released later in the week. Yeah, those guys run a great podcast and they have some fantastic guests on as well. So definitely check those guys out if you get the time. But yeah, if you want to check out our outlets, obviously we 
you know, we go out live on YouTube now. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're heading towards 150 subscribers, which is just mental because I think before the season started, we had about 20. So real good growth on there. It's fantastic to see. We we always post on our Twitter at F1 Chronicle and on Facebook page F1 Chronicle uh, when the shows are going out. I believe the next one for Hungary should be going out around 12 midday BST on Sunday, but uh, we'll confirm that closer to the time. Uh, we're also available, obviously, on the F1 Chronicles website, where we have a huge back catalogue of shows, over 100 episodes on there now for you to get through. It's not just race previews and qualifying and sprint qualifying now, but also uh, do- more documentary-style ones like Ayrton Senna, Tiregate, the 1994 Benetton Conspiracy, and a hell of a lot more. Uh, and we're also available on our Spotify Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cash. Just go to the F1 Grid Talk. Uh, just search for F1 Grid Talk and all of those, sorry. And uh, yeah, I want to thank my panellists for coming on on this uh, sweltering day here in the UK. We mentioned how hot it is at Silverstone. It's uh, it's quite it's baking in all of our offices right now, I think. So it's a bit of a Singapore Grid Talk podcast for how hot it is in our, in our offices. So thank you guys for coming on. I really do appreciate it. No worries. Thanks as always. Thanks for having me, George. Oh, always welcome, lads. Always great having you all on. And like I said, we'll be back on Sunday to preview the Hungarian Grand Prix. Will Hamilton get another win or will Red Bull get back to winning ways? Who knows? We'll discuss it all there. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>